Thank you for watching NTD Business. Top stories tonight. Inflation numbers are out for January. Prices increased the most in the past three months at five-tenths of one percent. Egg prices up 70 percent year over year. We talk with economist Peter Schiff on where inflation is headed. Credit rating agencies reporting a drop in medical debt. What does the White House say is behind it? The Biden administration planning to sell more oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's going to push the emergency stockpile down to a 40-year low. Leaders in government and business converge in the Middle East for the World Government Summit. What do they hope to accomplish? And a new report says Amazon is taking bigger and bigger cuts of seller revenue, as much as 50% last year. We ask sellers what they think of this. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here and happy Valentine's Day. Top story today, new CPI numbers out for January. Inflation surged the most in the past three months. The Consumer Price Index shows a monthly increase of 0.5%. But on a year-over-year basis, it's down a tenth of a percent now at 6.4. Monthly prices were largely pushed up by shelter costs. These costs accounted for nearly half of the increase. Higher costs for food, gasoline and natural gas also contributed. On an annual basis, food prices are up 11.3%, with egg prices up 70% year-over-year. Taking out food and energy, the core CPI index increased 0.4% from last month. But now analysts are also looking at the so-called super core CPI. Now, super core CPI takes out food, energy, and one more, shelter. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell has indicated that super core inflation is a must-watch as well. It rose about 0.3% last month. Joining me is Peter Schiff, Chief Economist and CEO at Euro-Pacific Capital and host of the Peter Schiff Show podcast. Now, Peter, let me just get your first reaction on today's uh, CPI report. What was going through your head when you first saw the numbers? Well, you know, I'm wondering how the markets are going to react. And so far, they've kind of been up and down, and maybe people don't really know how to react. But from my perspective, it's bad news for anybody who was really hoping that the you know the Fed has won the inflation fight. You know, Powell has been talking about disinflation, and from that you know perspective, we have had numbers that have improved sequentially and on a year-over-year basis. But that was bound to happen. You know, when you had a rate as high as 9.1 or wherever we peaked out so far. But if you look at the rate of improvement this month, you know, the year-over-year number I think was 6.4. That was down from 6.5 the prior month. So that's not much of an improvement. In fact, maybe this is the trough for improvements. Maybe in February, we're going to see an uptick in the year-over-year inflation numbers. Um, And the monthly number was still a pretty big number. I think it was up, what, 0.5 for January. That was a little bit higher than they thought. They upwardly revised the prior month, which was, I think, reported as down 0.1. Now it's up 0.1. So inflation is starting to turn back up, and I think we're going to start to see uh, hotter numbers in future months, and that's going to throw cold water on the idea that you know the Fed is is finished and can start cutting rates based on victory over inflation. Why do you think inflation is uh, getting is going to get worse? What makes you say that? Well, we've been creating inflation for over a decade. All the years of quantitative easing put a lot of inflation into the pipeline. Uh, 
And the Fed has barely withdrawn that liquidity. I think we're still seeing the impact of that, and especially the inflation that it unleashed during the, the COVID pandemic. So I still think we have a ways to go to catch up. Meanwhile, government policy is still inflationary. We have very expansionary fiscal policy. The government is running enormous budget deficits. That's highly inflationary. Uh, and even though the Fed has raised rates, you still have negative real rates, and we're not encouraging people to save. People are still borrowing as much as they can. The savings rate is near the lows. The credit card debt is near record highs. So the Fed's rate hikes have not really altered the spending and savings decisions, which I think are key to bringing the inflation rate down. So as long as people keep on spending, uh, I don't see any way we're going to get down to 2%. And on another point you mentioned, uh, you said you mentioned the super core uh, inflation measure. That's uh, core inflation x uh, home and shelter. So, <laughs> yeah. so let, let me ask you, does government data, uh, CPI, reflect what Americans are actually seeing? Does it reflect real inflation? Well, the real inflation is the expansion of the money supply. That's, that's what inflation is. A consequence of that is that prices go up. Now, does the CPI fully capture the extent to which aggregate prices are going up? I don't think so, and I think that's deliberate. I think the CPI was designed to uh, give you a low reading because the politics of the number, the government made it up. It's like a scorecard uh, on government policy, and obviously the government wants to get a good grade. And so the CPI was designed to make inflation lower. But I think if you kind of double the official number, that's probably close to accurate. You know, I mean, it's obviously not precise, but I think you're a lot closer if you double whatever the CPI is. So if the CPI is two, it's probably four. If the CPI is six, which is what it is now, it's probably 12. All right, always great insight from you, Peter. Thank you very much for coming on. Sure, anytime. If you want to watch the full interview with me and Peter Schiff, go to NTD.com. We also talked about the wage price spiral and what to invest in in this inflationary environment. On Wall Street, stocks ended mixed today after the inflation data suggested little change to rate hikes. The Dow fell 157 points or half a percent. S&P lost one point. Nasdaq added 68 points or 0.6 percent. Now, most Americans are shelling out more money to cover interest payments on debt. The same thing is happening to Uncle Sam. The Treasury Department paid a record $213 billion in interest payments on the national debt the fourth quarter of last year. It marks the largest quarterly increase on record. The hike is due mainly to raises the Federal Reserve has made to its interest rate. That rate has gone up 4.5 percentage points in the past 12 months. Some experts say by 2032, the federal government will have to pay $3 billion every single day on interest. It could become the single largest federal budget item, surpassing even Social Security and Medicare. And it looks like medical debt in the U.S. may be decreasing. The number of people with medical debt on their credit reports fell 18% between 2020 and 2022. 
That's according to a new report from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The drop could have something to do with major credit ratings agencies themselves. Last year, major agencies said they would no longer report medical debts under $500. They're also giving families more time before adding medical debt to reports. The Biden administration is taking credit for the drop. Here's the press secretary today. The actions our administration has taken, including strengthening the Affordable Care Act to expand health insurance coverage to millions more Americans and enacting new consumer protections, played a critical role in reducing the burden of medical debt for millions of American families. But there's also evidence the drop started before Biden took office. According to a CFPB report last year, medical debt on credit reports fell even more between 2018 and the first half of 2021. The Biden administration is announcing plans to withdraw more oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve this fiscal year. The move will effectively push the reserve to its lowest level in four decades. 26 million barrels of oil are slated for withdrawal this year. The move follows last year's sale of 180 million barrels. The release is mandated by Congress every year because of laws enacted during the Obama administration. The Energy Department considered canceling the sale for this fiscal year, but that decision would have needed action from Congress. Analysts say the White House is trying to rein in prices at the pump amid fears they could shoot back up to $4 a gallon this summer. The latest round of oil is scheduled for delivery to the market between April 1st and June 30th. Following the sale, the reserve will drop to its lowest level since August 1983. The European Parliament today formally approved a law which will effectively ban the sale of new gas and diesel cars in the bloc from 2035. It's part of the EU's effort to speed up the switch to electric vehicles and combat climate change. NTD's Colin Fredrickson reports. The EU is driving forward its switch to electric vehicles. On Tuesday, the European Parliament approved a law to effectively ban the sale of new gas and diesel cars from 2035. It's part of the bloc's effort to speed up the transition to electric vehicles. The industrial revolution is happening, whether we like it or not. We can choose to lead it. We can choose to do it in a way that is socially compatible with our values, or we can leave it to other parts of the world to lead it, and then all we can do is follow and deindustrialize. We need to rebuild our industry on the basis of the future, and the car industry can lead this if you vote for this proposal today. The rules mean car makers must eliminate CO2 emissions from new cars sold by the middle of the next decade. The law will also set a 55% cut in CO2 emissions for new cars sold from 2030 compared to 2021 levels. That is much higher than the current target of around 37%. EU countries agreed to the deal with lawmakers last October. Final approval by member states is expected in March. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. Many car makers in Europe have invested heavily in electrification. Volkswagen says it will only produce electric cars in Europe from 2033. And today Ford said it's cutting about 3,800 jobs in Europe. It's all part of a drive to cut costs and be competitive on EVs. Most of the jobs will be cut in Germany and the UK. This might come as a shock to labor unions. They previously said the worst case scenario could be 2,500 jobs cut. 
Ford is spending $50 billion on electrifying its product range. The company's chief financial officer said earlier this month that Ford will be very aggressive in cutting costs. Meanwhile, Ford announced yesterday it plans to invest $3.5 billion in a battery factory in Michigan, adding 2,500 jobs. Tesla workers in New York State are banding together. They said today they're launching a campaign to form a union. Employees announced the plan in a letter to the electric car maker's management, saying the goal is to unionize with workers united upstate New York. Up until now, Tesla has managed to avoid unionization at its U.S. facilities, unlike other major automakers. Executive Elon Musk has been vocal about opposing unions. He faced the ire of the U.S. National Labor Relations Board in the past when they directed him to delete a 2018 tweet. The Post said employees would lose their stock options if they formed a union. Employees called the right to organize a union a fundamental civil right. Tesla does not immediately respond to a press request for comment. And our special report today focuses on this question. Is Amazon hurting its sellers by charging them too much? Amazon is now taking a 50% cut out of seller revenues before it was at just 40%. This is according to data for Marketplace Pulse. If this is true, it raises the question, is Amazon taking too much? Think of small businesses that are going through a rough economy right now. Marketplace Pulse looked at a number of income statements provided by a sample of sellers. It says typical sellers pay a basket of fees. That's including a 15% transaction fee, up to 15% for advertising, and 20 to 35% on fulfillment by Amazon fees. So fulfillment by Amazon, or FBA for short, is where a lot of the cost increases occurred. It's a service that lets sellers use Amazon's fulfillment centers where Amazon handles their shipping and customer service. We spoke with Amazon seller Leslie Hansel. She's been selling on Amazon for over a decade. She also helps other sellers with her firm Riverbend Consulting. We asked her what she thought of Marketplace Pulse's finding that Amazon takes 50% from sellers. That broad claim is a little bit aggressive because a huge portion of sellers on Amazon are actually resellers. If you're a reseller, you are not investing in pay-per-click advertising. Yes, the fees for Amazon FBA have risen in the last few years. A lot of that was fuel costs that went up, um, employee costs that went up in the warehouse. But if as a seller, you're fulfilling yourself, your costs went up for your own operation as well. So I think there's a little bit of drama here. And where are price increases coming from other than fulfillment by Amazon? Hansel points to competition from Walmart. Walmart has invested significantly in its online operations in the past few years. Amazon may see it as a threat. And we spoke to someone who believes Amazon is helping third-party sellers and small businesses. Steve Anderson researched Amazon extensively and wrote the book The Bezos Letters. Anderson argues that third-party sellers get access to Amazon's customers, its various services, and its platform. And on its platform, they even get to compete with Amazon itself. The whole idea of allowing third parties on your website is very counterintuitive. In fact, very few businesses have followed Amazon's either lead or craziness 
and uh, allowing those sellers to compete directly with them on their site. Was it brilliant? Well, it certainly brought in a lot more customers and a lot more sellers. Is that model um, changing now because of economic realities? Maybe. We spoke with marketing expert Rudy Moore, who advises clients that use Amazon. Moore believes paying Amazon 50% can work for a seller if the seller has super high volume, super high margin products. In his experience, the Amazon costs are usually between 30 to 50%. 50% is definitely on the higher side, right? Like we, when we're advertising with other platforms, Facebook and Google, we're trying to look for like a four times ROAS, right? A four times ROI, which would be 25%, right? 50%, the only way I would do that is if I, if I know it's a repeat order, right? Where I pay and then the customer is going to come back 10 more times. We spoke to another Amazon seller, Andrew Churlin. He sells industrial products on Amazon and to Amazon as well. Churlin says the marketplace pulse headline is a bit misleading. He says it can be the case Amazon takes 50% or in some cases even more. But sellers pay a lot of that because they want to, not because they have to. A lot of the other fees, whether it's advertising, whether it's uh, fulfilled by Amazon, those are optional. You can use other service providers to ship your product. You can advertise through other online or non-online channels like Facebook or TikTok or what have you. It just so happens that Amazon plays in those categories too, and some sellers choose to go that route. So from Marketplace Pulse's perspective, its founder says the Amazon fees are hurting small businesses' profit. He says these small businesses still have to pay for inventory, offices, and employees. We reached out to Marketplace Pulse but didn't hear back before airtime. The 2023 World Government Summit is happening right now in the United Arab Emirates. The organization aims to shape the future of governments. NTD's John Marshall has more details. The World Government Summit is currently taking place, although you probably haven't heard about it. It's hosted by the Vice President and Prime Minister of the United Arab Emirates. Similar to the World Economic Forum, it focuses on areas like globalization, ESG, climate change, tech and economics, and the inclusion of robots and AI in the world. Your Highnesses, Your Excellencies, esteemed participants. Among the 200 plus speakers was Klaus Schwab, economist and founder of the World Economic Forum. He made predictions about the future of technologies that are changing the world today. I wrote in 2015 the book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. And I mentioned 23 or 24 technologies which would change the world, like crypto and so on and so on. The book was considered science fiction. All those technologies have become reality. Elon Musk is said to be in attendance and expected to engage in conversation with the UAE Minister of Cabinet Affairs and WGS Chairman. The event is hosting many of the world's elite, about 10,000 government officials and leaders. Talks about implementing the infrastructure for an all-electric future were part of the agenda. The question is now that we don't have the infrastructure that really make possible for renewables to, 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 to go and the speed and scale that is needed. I'm talking about the physical infrastructure. We are talking about the, the legal and policy infrastructure. We are talking about the institutional capacity, the professional skills. 
The event will run through Wednesday, February 15th. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Going to commercial now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, the largest auto show in North America is underway. Stay tuned to check out what's new this year after this short break. And welcome back. The largest auto show in North America is happening now. It is the 2023 Chicago Auto Show. The latest and greatest offerings from 27 car manufacturers is attracting thousands of visitors. Let's take a look. The 2023 Chicago Auto Show is not as big as before the pandemic, but it still has vehicles for each market segment. Hyundai Palisade won Family Vehicle of the Year at the show. It is best known for safety features, including forward collision avoidance and highway drive assist. Miles Johnson, senior manager at Hyundai, added that the vehicle's motion detection feature is important for families with babies. So it also has a rear occupant alert that detects motion of a small, small child if you accidentally had forgotten and walked away from your vehicle. It will honk the horn and flash the lights and also send you a text message notification letting you know that the rear occupant alert has gone off and you need to come back to your vehicle. For racing car enthusiasts, Ford unveiled its most powerful track-focused model, the 2024 Ford Mustang Dark Horse. This new Dark Horse behind us is absolutely our top handling, our most powerful 500 horsepower manual transmission. We're excited to bring this to all of our enthusiasts. The model is tailored to millennials, with over half of the car's width being the screen. We put in the same engine, software engine, into the vehicle so that the displays arguably emulate the video games that folks grew up with. For someone looking for a luxurious experience with power, BMW debuted its first ever BMW XM model. It's a hybrid vehicle with 644 horsepower, the most powerful sports activity vehicle BMW has ever made. So it's got an electric motor inside the transmission and a 4.4-liter uh, twin-power turbo V8 under the hood. Those two uh, drive chains together, it's going to be 0 to 60 in 4.1 seconds, but you also get a 30-mile uh, range of the electric driving. You can drive up to 87 miles on pure electric uh, drive. For people who are not ready to dive into the electric vehicle market, Hyundai launched a new short-term EV subscription program, the Evolve Plus. This is a new loan-free way to drive an EV without a long-term commitment. The customer can search for EVs available at nearby Hyundai dealerships. When one catches your eye, you create an account. Next, the app will quickly review your credit and driving record. And once approved, you can select the terms and reserve your vehicle. It's now waiting for you to pick up at your local Hyundai dealership. This year's show also offers more test tracks for visitors than in prior years. Additionally, visitors get to see a variety of antique cars. The show will continue through February 20th. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Chicago. And that's all of today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Mike. And follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. 
And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.